This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 123. I want to take a moment right now to thank all of my listeners for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Radio.com, and anywhere else you might be getting your podcasts. So for this week's episode, I wanted to talk about a topic that's near and dear to me as a photographer and that is black and white photography. Now, I've had questions from students and new photographers about the best way to do black and white photography. Is it better to do it in camera or using post-processing software such as Photoshop, Lightroom, or another similar program? Now, different people will give you different answers to this question, and there are no, quote, right answer to this question. But anytime you can do things in camera, it is considered the ideal way to do it. Now, your camera can make fantastic black and white images, but there is a catch. You have to shoot in JPEG only, which I'm not a big fan of. I prefer to shoot raw. Now, if you shoot raw, the images will appear in black and white when viewing them on the rear LCD of the camera, and that's because the camera's internal software will create a JPEG thumbnail for you. So it will appear in black and white in the camera's view screen or uh, rear LCD. But if you're shooting in RAW, when you load them into your post-processing software, they're going to be in full color because RAW format records all the details and pixels. Now, I've had students ask me, Quote, what if I don't have or cannot afford editing software? Well, first of all, if you're a photography student, you should have editing software as part of your degree or certificate program. If you don't, then, then that's a pretty sad school if they're not setting you up with the proper tools for your education. Now, shooting in black and white in camera will give you beautiful black and white images, but since you're shooting JPEG, you lose all of the additional data in your images that ends up being discarded and it's gone forever. Um, you cannot get that back. And I, as most professional photographers, will tell you that it's always best to shoot in RAW for the very best image quality and then convert them to black and white on export because you're going to be turning them into JPEGs at that point anyway. Now, this gives you the most creativity and the best detail in your final images. By editing to black and white in, say, a program like Lightroom, there are a couple of ways you can do it. You can use the black and white options under the development module. Lightroom has a certain number of various photography presets pre-installed. Uh, or I prefer to use the saturation tool and desaturate the colors from the image, then tweak the contrast to create a more dramatic look. Now, one of the things I love about my Fujifilm GFX50R is that Fuji cameras have what are known as film simulations. 
Now these are built into the actual firmware or software in the camera, and they do include some black and white options that mimic their old 35mm film stock. There is even a rumor that they are announcing a new black and white simulation on January 27th, 2021 that has me very, very excited. And it's because I've always loved black and white photography. Now, I personally feel that two of the times when black and white photography is best are for street photography and environmental portraits. And it's just my personal taste, my personal style. I like to shoot both of those styles of photography in black and white. Now, for my abandoned building projects, I shoot those in full color. And with my first book, The Northwest Counties for Forgotten Pieces of Georgia, my publisher insisted on color images, I guess, you know, due to their research, they've been publishers for decades. Um, I guess color photographs uh, are more popular in books than black and white. Now, if I was a world famous photographer, like somebody say like Ansel Adams, I'd have been like to hell with that. We're doing it in black and white because that's my style and you're not going to change it. <laughs> uh, but I'm not world famous. So <laughs> there you have it. Uh, so just a little bit there. Uh, now for your viewing pleasure, I am including six of my own black and white images in the show notes for this episode. And it's to give you an opportunity uh, uh, to see how I like to shoot my images, um, the way that I like to compose my images, the look that I like to get with my, especially with my environmental portraits and my street photography. Now, the first image in the group of six is an environmental portrait of a gentleman named Mike who owns a small diner in downtown Atlanta, which was located just down the street uh, from the Centennial Towers where I used to work when I worked for Pier 1 Web Hosting. Um, so I used to go there frequently for lunch. It was just a small diner, but he made really awesome sandwiches and salads and stuff like that. So I used to go there at least a couple of times a week. Now, I decided to make this image of him in black and white as I felt the, the bright, vibrant colors of the fountain soda machine behind him was just too distracting from the subject. So I definitely wanted this image to be in black and white with the Coca-Cola sign and all of the other bright colors on the, on the various uh, labels on the front of the fountain soda machine, the orange and bright red and green and all of that stuff. I just didn't want it to distract from the subject, which is Mike himself. So that is why I definitely went with black and white on this. And I think it looks really amazing. And I didn't notice until after I took the shot that you could actually see the, the piece of gum that he was chewing uh, in the left corner of his mouth there. And it looks kind of odd because the gum turned out kind of like a bright white. So uh, it looks a little bit odd, but uh, I left it the way it was. I wasn't going to try to Photoshop that out. Um, but it is interesting for sure. Uh, so the uh, next image I captured is of a small abandoned business building. Now, this was uh, part of my Forgotten Pieces of Georgia project. And this was a small uh, gas station that I shot in Floyd County. Um, when I was documenting that county. And I just thought this one, uh, I, I decided to export this copy of it in black and white because I just liked 
the contrast that you get from the trees behind the building, as well as the contrast you get in the trim of the roof of the building and the door jams uh, for the men's and ladies' rooms on the end of the building. I just thought that it made for a much more compelling image. So that is why I like that one in black and white. Uh, now, the third image um, in the show notes is of a man in downtown Atlanta repainting a parking deck. Now, the deck he was repainting was actually the one for Centennial Towers, which is where I worked at the time, so it was fairly easy for me to capture this image. He was on the outside of the parking deck on a scaffold, and I was on the inside of the parking deck shooting out through the, one of the openings, you know, uh, where the, you know, it's, oh, they had these open slots all the way around them, kind of, you know, to let the wind blow through and kind of cool the parking deck down, especially in the summertime and what is affectionately known as Hot Lana. <laughs> um, but again, for this one, uh, since it's basically street photography, uh, it's a combination of street photography and an environmental portrait. And I've always preferred black and white for both of those styles. So that's why I did it that way. And you can see him, he's holding up his extension uh, handle that's got his brush on it, uh, his roller brush, as he's painting the outside of the parking deck to give it a little bit of an update, make it look a little less gloomy and, and run down. Um, so that's that one there. Now the, uh, let's see here, the fourth image. Now this one's another abandoned building, but this one's from my newer forgotten pieces of Pennsylvania project, which I started over the holidays, uh, 2020, late 2020 going into early 2021. So Christmas and new year's. Now this building is the old Canton steam mills in Canton, Pennsylvania, right on the outside edge of town as you're coming down into Canton on Route 14. And I actually used one of my GFX 50Rs uh, black and white film simulations to process this image and get this monochrome look. And I really like it. I like the contrast that you get from the the trees in the background, even though they're naked, they don't have their leaves. Um, you get a lot of good contrast as well as from the, the lettering of the Canton steam mills on the top of the building. And then, of course, you have the white of the snow all around the building. So I just think it makes for a more compelling image. It also uh, adds some dramatic effect to the clouds in the sky overhead. So uh, and I really love that image. I think it looks really, really fantastic. I'm going to take a short break here and I will be right back. We hope you're enjoying this episode of the Liam Photography Podcast. You can visit the homepage for the show at liamphotographypodcast.com for show notes and links. You can call or text the show at 470-294-8191 with questions, comments, or requests for future episodes. If you prefer not to call or text, you can email the show at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. Also, check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group, and you can find us on Twitter at LiamPhotoATL. On Twitter, you can tweet the show. Just insert the hashtag LiamPhotoPodcast. And now, back to the show. And we're back. So we're going to move along here. And the next image that I'm including in the show notes, uh, the fifth image. Now, this is another abandoned building, in, well, semi-abandoned building in Pennsylvania. Uh, this one's on the outskirts of Athens, PA. 
And this was a, it's called the Rustic Grotto. And this was a bar that my aunt and uncle and I used to go to when we were younger. It was a cool place to hang out, drink some beer, shoot some pool, throw darts, stuff like that. And this one was unique because it was a bar with a small hotel in the upstairs portion. And it was kind of a common thing. There used to be another uh, similar style building uh, business set up in the town of Canton, Pennsylvania, uh, that was called the Park Hotel, and it was the same kind of setup. You know, it was a bar and, and restaurant in the downstairs part, and then the upstairs floors. Uh, the upstairs floor was the hotel. I can't remember if it was one or two floors of hotel rooms. I think it was two, um, as it was on this one. Um, so it was kind of unique. It's a cool building, and and I just love the black and white for this. Again, I used the one of the Fujifilm film simulations for this one, um, and I love the the dark contrast in the uh, the parking lot and the asphalt and the wood around the base of the building, as well as on the top parts of the building. Um, and I really love the dramatic effect in the sky with all the clouds and a little bit of sunlight peeking through here and there. I just think it makes for a really interesting and beautiful image. Now, the last of the six images I'm including in the show notes, this one's another environmental portrait. And this one is a photo of one of my coworkers from when I worked at Pier 1 Web Hosting. His name's Scott Billups. Uh, he's a great guy, and I really enjoyed working with him. He's got a great sense of humor. He actually does work. He still works in IT. He's a manager now with another company. Uh, but he's also a professional motivational speaker. So he has a side gig where he does that and uh, he's really successful at it. And again, with this one, um, I went with black and white because like I said, I prefer black and white for both street photography and environmental portraits because the subject is the paramount item. You know, it's the paramount thing in the image. So I just like it. I love the outfit he was wearing that day. He was wearing a dark blue shirt and he had a, a, a black beanie on his head. And I just think that the black and white really made his clothing pop more um, and even accentuated the, uh, the gold necklace he had around his neck with a cross. And you can see a little bit of his white T-shirt underneath his dress shirt. Um, and then, of course, the back, uh, all of the, the work stuff in the background, the computer screens and stuff like that, or, you know, all blown out, you know, background blur, all that good stuff. Uh, but I, like I said, I just think that the black and white is a great way to go for both street and environmental portraits. Now, that, like I said, that's my personal preference. Maybe yours is different, and that's fine. There is no right or wrong when it comes to photography and your own personal shooting style. Now, one of my all-time favorite photographers since the since I was a very young child has always been Ansel Adams. Now, for many, when thinking about or viewing black and white nature photography, Ansel Adams immediately comes to mind. And beginning in the early 1920s and spanning a career of the next 40, 50 years, Adams photographed many of the natural areas that millions of us enjoy each year and that the majority of us uh, as landscape photographers deeply appreciate, including the Sierra Nevada, the desert Southwest, and many of our national parks. Now, Ansel was a big proponent of black and white photography. That was his personal style for his landscapes. And although he did shoot color in his later years, he always preferred large format cameras and black and white. 
Now, in direct defiance of the pictorialism movement of the mid-20s, Ansel began photographing landscapes in a realistic way using small apertures for sharp focus and greater depth of field, as well as heightened contrast and precise exposure. Now, this type of photography had a direct influence on nature photography all the way up to today. And in 1941, the National Park Service commissioned Adams to photograph the national parks. Now, Ansel was also a founding member of the Group F-64. Group F-64, or F.64, was a group founded by seven 20th century San Francisco Bay Area photographers who shared a common photographic style, which was characterized by sharply focused and carefully framed images seen through a particularly Western U.S. viewpoint. In part, they formed an opposition to the pictorialist photographic style that had dominated much of the early 20th century. But moreover, they wanted to promote a new modernist aesthetic that was based on precisely exposed images of natural forms and found objects. The members of Group F-64, like Ansel, all preferred to shoot in black and white rather than color, as they all felt it was more realistic and natural, and that color, they could still accentuate the color even when shooting in black and white. And they all felt that this was the best way, this was their personal style for the members of this group. And they've all created some of the most famous, some of the most iconic black and white landscapes in the entire world of photography. And Like I said, I was always a huge fan of Ansel Adams. Uh, Unfortunately, I never got a chance to meet him. He passed away in 1983, and I was only 13 years old at the time. But I always had a strong love and appreciation for his work. He was a super talented photographer and environmentalist, and he actually created his own system for creating uh, fantastic photographs that was a zone system and it's a fairly complex system and it takes time to learn but if you're interested in learning that you can research it online and learn what all of the processes were in his zone style of shooting uh, or technique of shooting and try to replicate it yourself now i've never done that um, i prefer to do kind of my own thing, but I, like I said, I've always been a huge fan of Ansel Adams and his work, as are many professional and amateur photographers. Most anybody that has a real passion for photography knows and admires the work of Ansel Adams. Okay, so now getting back for uh, wrapping up the show, we're getting back to software again. So there are some really nice third-party apps and plugins that you can use and that I've personally used uh, quite a few of them to get my images the way I want them. Now, there is a group of plugins that also work as standalone apps called the Nick Collection, N-I-K, and this is one of my favorites, and it comes with a great black and white plugin that's called Silver Effects Pro 2. Now, this software has a nice set of quote-unquote recipes for making different types of black and white images with varying looks from high-key to low-key, heavy contrast, um, just to name a few of them. There's quite a few of them in that particular plugin. Now, for any of you that are into photography and cannot, and you, you can't afford Lightroom or Photoshop, now, 
I know a lot of people couldn't afford Lightroom and photo, especially Photoshop, because it was super, super expensive for so long. But now that Adobe has gone to the creative cloud where it's a subscription based model, it's fairly affordable, you know, unless you're really, really, really poor. And I'm not saying that to pick on anybody. Um, you can get the, the, the creative cloud photography plan for just $10 a month. And that gives you both Lightroom classic and Photoshop actually it gives you access to both versions of Lightroom, the cloud only version and the full desktop classic version as well as Photoshop. So at least that way you can, it's $120 a year, but you can split it up over 12 months and it's a much cheaper and you always have the latest software and it's a much cheaper option in the old days with the perpetual license where Photoshop by itself was six, $800, something like that. I mean, it was crazy, crazy expensive. But again, if you have an extremely limited budget because you're a student or you're just a hobbyist or whatever the case may be, there is a really cool free open source photo editor that's called GIMP. Now, GIMP is available for Windows, Linux, and Mac OS, all three. You can find it at GIMP.org. And GIMP is nice as it has pretty much all of the same capabilities as Photoshop, but with no cost. It's absolutely free software. Now, additionally, um, if you do have the money to buy software, but you're not a big fan of the subscription-based model, which I'm not myself, um, there are still photo editing programs you can buy for a modest uh, price that have perpetual licensing. Uh, one of those is Capture One, which is a great photo editing program. I personally use it and love it. Uh, Capture One is better at handling and post-processing Fuji RAW files uh, versus Lightroom. Not, not that Lightroom does a terrible job, it's just Capture One does a better job because they have a close partnership with Fuji. So I like to use Capture One because it does a fantastic job of processing the raw files from my GFX 50R. Now with Capture One, they do do a subscription model that's $10 a month, but they also offer a perpetual license. Unlike Adobe, Capture One from phase one did not get rid of their perpetual license option. So you can still buy the software for a one-time price, but of course, <laughs> they release a new version every year, so it just depends on how often you want to update. Um, I don't always update every year, um, primarily because I don't see the need unless something really massive has been added to the software, or I've just bought a new camera body and I need the new RAW file support. Sometimes these software companies will roll out the new camera raw support in their latest version of their software before they'll release an update to make it uh, uh, make it possible to process it with an older version of their software. Even if it's only one or two versions older, um, they'll sometimes be slower rolling out the additional raw file support in those older versions. And it's probably because they're trying to push you to buy the new software. Now, another, and, and when it comes to Capture One, I believe you can buy the perpetual license. It's around 129 or 149 when you catch it on sale. If you don't catch it on sale, I think it's like 200 bucks. So it can be a little bit salty, but it is amazing. It's fantastic software and I highly recommend it. Now, another option that you could purchase that's a little bit more cost-friendly for those that don't want to spend a fortune, 
on editing software is Luminar AI, which is the newest version. It was just released in December of 2020. It is fantastic software, and you can generally pick up a copy of Luminar for, I believe it's $69 uh, perpetual license, and that allows you to install and use it on up to two computers. Now, I will go ahead and include links to these software programs in the show notes so that my listeners can check them out for themselves. So there are some other options, both free and low cost, uh, to get your hands on the editing software that you need to process your images if you don't currently have anything other than the semi-crappy software that comes from the camera manufacturer. Um, I'm not saying it's the worst software in the world. It's just not really great software. Uh, But it does allow you to export your images and uh, process your RAW files and turn them into JPEG. So, you know, and it's free because they generally always come with your camera um, on a CD-ROM or you can go to the camera manufacturer's website, register your camera, and then their website will allow you to download the, the free Uh, photo processing software that they offer. Okay, so wrapping up this show, now that you have more information on how to make great black and white images, why don't you get out there and see if you can't make yourself some fantastic black and white photography. Remember to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group, and you must answer a security question to join, which is the name of the host of the show, myself, Liam. And I've also opened it up to allow you to give the name of a previous guest on the show to show that you are a listener. Once you are in the group, you are free to post your own original work. I'm also the admin of the Fujifilm GFX 50R group, which is the largest group for the 50R on Facebook. If you own or plan to own the 50R, you can request to join that group, but you do have to answer two security questions to join that group. You can find my work at liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my projects at forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com and forgottenpiecesofpennsylvania.com. All right, so that is going to wrap up episode 123 on black and white photography. I want to thank all of my listeners once again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Radio.com, and anywhere else you might be getting your podcast. And to remind you that the first book, Forgotten Pieces of Georgia in the Northwest Counties, is now available for sale. You can pick up a signed copy at liamphotography.net online store, or you can pick up an unsigned copy from amazon.com or or barnesandnoble.com. Thank you all for listening, and I will see you all again in another seven days.